بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ہوں نسلی علیہ رسول کریم اللہ آباد کنٹینیوئنگ ود ڈسکشن آف دس بکلیٹ فور ایکشنز ٹو ایکوائر دا فرینڈشپ آف اللہ تعالیٰ بائی شیخ العرب العجم عارف باللہ حضرت اقدس مولانا شاہ کی محمد اختر صاحب رحمۃ اللہ علیہ ایز مینشن یسٹری دس واز وٹ حضرت ڈسکرائبڈ ایز ہیز سیونٹی ایئرز اور ایٹی ایئرز آف ایکسپیرینس that a person brings these four things into his life, inshallah, everything else will become very simple, very easy. So the first two things we discussed yesterday, one was the beard and the other was having the garments above the ankles. The third action, protecting the gaze. In this time and age, there is great neglect in this regard. Many people do not even regard the casting of lustful glances as a sin. Whereas Allah Ta'ala has given the command of protecting the gaze in the Qur'an Sharif. Allah Ta'ala says, قُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ يَغُضُّ مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ Say, O Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, to the believers that they should lower their gazes. This refers to not looking at non-mahram women. Likewise, they should not gaze at beardless youth. In fact, even if a youngster's beard has grown to some extent, but one still finds the heart somewhat inclined towards him, then to look at him is haram. The crux of the matter is that any such face which one derives haram pleasure from gazing at, it is haram to look at such a face. The protection of the gaze is such an important aspect that Allah Ta'ala has separately commanded the woman to also guard their gazes. Allah Ta'ala says, وَقُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنَاتِ يَغْضُدُنَ مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِنْ And say to the believing woman that they should lower their gazes. This aspect is unlike the commands of salah, fasting and other injunctions wherein the women have not been given an independent command. Rather the males have been addressed and the women have been included in these commands on the basis of being included alongside the men. In the narration of Bukhari Sharif, it is reported that Rasulullah said, Zina al-Aini an-Nawar, that casting haram lustful glances is the fornication of the eyes. One who casts lustful glances and is indulging in fornication cannot even dream of becoming a wali of Allah Ta'ala unless he sincerely repents from this evil. In another narration, Rasulullah sallallahu is reported to have said, لَعَنَ اللَّهُ النَّاظِرَ وَالْمَنْزُورَ إِلَيْهِ May the curse of Allah Ta'ala be upon the one who casts lustful glances, as well as the one who emerges in such a manner that lustful glances are cast at her. In other words, she doesn't take care to cover herself correctly, so she too becomes the, the, the curse falls upon her as well. This is a very, very uh, severe situation, very severe matter that in this Hadith Sharif what is being explained is that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam invoked the curse of Allah Ta'ala upon the one who casts lustful glances or the one who emerges in such a way that lustful glances are cast at her. The curse of Allah Ta'ala, la'anat means that a person becomes distanced from the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. Every person is desirous of getting closer to Allah Ta'ala attaining the mercy of Allah Ta'ala and by doing things which bring the curse of Allah Ta'ala he is going in the opposite direction 
Now one is a person did something once, that one action now became the reason for his, for attracting one lanat. Now can we imagine the person going on morning till afternoon till evening, and then a person if he's outside on the road, this is how he's carrying on, and then when he's in his own privacy, then on his phone, whatever else, he's still indulging in this kind of haram, glancing and haram, watching haram. Can we imagine what becomes the condition of that heart which is constantly being inflicted with the curse of Allah Ta'ala? The heart becomes completely then sealed, Allah forbid, due to this recurring lanat that falls onto the heart. So this is not a by the way thing, sometimes we take it as a secondary issue, something, well it's not good, but it's not too serious, no it is very serious. And the consequences of these are very dire. So therefore, this is the emphasis that is to place on this. In his talks, etc., this would, without fail, generally this topic would come. And I will say sometimes people object that I've got nothing else to talk about. You should say that if there is, for example, some plague, cholera, that has become widespread. So now, when there's a plague, now a person stands at the corner and is dispensing flu medication. So flu medication is not required at that time. At that time the thing that is required most, if somebody got a flu, we'll give him the flu medication. But the general problem when there's a plague, people are suffering from some kind of disease that has now become widespread and people are dying of the disease. The, in, the medication that needs to be dispensed is what's going to now address the plague. What's going to now uh, help people get out of that disease which is now becoming so widespread. So this is the cholera and this is the plague of the time. Due to the kind of immorality and lewdness and shamelessness that has become the norm, this has become the plague of the time. And people, despite all the good actions that they do, despite all the amal they engage in, despite the salah and tilawat and zikr and dua and efforts of deen and so many good things people do, but it all is just drained out through the eyes. A person spent sometimes the whole night in ibadat, person has gone for hajj, gone for umrah, person has been spending the night in tilawat, zikr, dua, tawaf, whatever, depending where he's at home, sometimes it's Ramadan. And then in a few minutes a person goes and drains everything out through the eyes. Few minutes of that haram, looking at haram and everything is gone. And this is the reason why that progress is not happening. The person is just turning in the same circle. So while the good deeds are indeed very, very great, and the more that we can do of it, the better. But a person is filling up a tank with water, but he at the same time left the tap open. Now when he fills the tank one whole day, morning till evening he's filling, but at the end of the day how much water is going to have in the tank? The tap is open. Everything is just draining out. And everything is draining out. At the end of the day, he's still left with nothing. So likewise, mashallah, the ibadat the person does, the righteous actions he does, all this is filling nur in his heart. But that little bit of indulgence in this kind of haram, especially the misuse of the eyes, misuse of the ears, these drain out all this nur in minutes. And this is why we find so much of emphasis on these two limbs in particular. 
the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala mentions these two limbs in particular in many instances. Wallahu akhrajakum min butuni ummahatikum la ta'alamuna shay'a. Allah Ta'ala says, Allah Ta'ala brought you out from the bellies of your mothers, from the wombs of your mothers in the condition, la ta'alamuna shay'a. You knew nothing. Didn't have any idea of anything. Then, وَجَعَلَ لَكُمُ السَّمْعَ وَالْأَبْصَارَ وَالْأَفْئِدَ عَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ Three things are mentioned in conjunction in many places. Hearing, sight and heart. And again, this is right at the inception now. Allah says when you came in this dunya, this is how you came. You had no knowledge of anything, you couldn't say one word, you couldn't understand anything. But Allah Ta'ala blessed you with these three faculties. Faculty of hearing, sight and the heart. Now what you will see, you will learn. What you will listen to, you will learn. And the heart will analyze, absorb and it will register and it will now be storing all this and then progressing from one step to the other. So the hearing and the sight, these are the avenues and the heart is the seat of that learning. So now this is where that learning process starts. Allah Ta'ala says, Wallahu akhrajakum min mutuni ummahatikum la ta'alamuna shay'a. You knew nothing. Now this was what we blessed you with to start learning. And therefore, at the end of the whole process, these are the things in particular, inna sam'a wal basara wal fu'ad. Kullu ulaika kana anhu maskula. Allah is reminding us from the beginning that remember, we gave you these three faculties, you knew nothing. This is where you started learning from. Imagine a person came into this dunya, Allah forbid, he came into this dunya blind and deaf. Generally, a deaf person is also unable to speak. He is mute. The reason being that a person learns to speak from listening. He hears, he hears people around him, what they are saying, how they are saying it, the formation of the words, he has, and he starts speaking up one syllable, then two syllables. So he learns to speak by hearing. If he can't hear, he's deaf, he'll never speak. These things happen side by side then. So the hearing helps him to learn so much. And then what he sees around him, that helps him to learn. He sees things and he understands, okay, this is harmful, this is beneficial, this is food, this is what dirt. So now the person sees things and he hears things. Now imagine a person, Allah forbid, was born deaf and blind. Deaf and blind. Now such a person, can we imagine him ever doing any wrong ever? Almost impossible. Because he would have never seen any wrong to be able to imitate it. He would have never heard any wrong to be able to repeat it. He would never, because he's deaf, he would have never heard a vulgar word in his life. So he can't repeat it too. And in any case, he won't be able to speak because he's deaf. He has never seen anything, so he can't even think of something in an evil way. Because he hasn't seen anything wrong. And that is why that growing up child has to be protected from hearing and seeing things which are incorrect. Many times these things are taken for granted that there's a child now, no worry. Or something musical being played, some toy also, some musical sound, there's a child now. 
But that music is registering through the hear, hear, uh, hearing into the heart. And that is registering, that is storing something. You might think it's a child, so now what the child is hearing something, what doubt does it make? But the child is barely a few moments in this dunya. The child has just been born. The first teaching of Deen is that the child be washed and the azan be given. The azan be given in the ears of the child who is barely a few moments in dunya still. So if that heart was not registering anything, then this command wouldn't have been given to us. Because Shariat doesn't command us, Nabi Wasallam hasn't given us any instruction that is futile. And if the child wasn't taking any impact and any effect from this azan, then Nabi Wasallam would never have given us this instruction and have never given us this amal. He would not, never have done it also. The fact that Rasulullah did this and he taught this to us, means that the child is taking effect from that azan already. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. The greatness of Allah Ta'ala is being implanted in the heart of the child. There's barely a few moments in this dunya still. Now the child is growing up and listening to all kinds of things, sitting in front of that television and then that phone is being handed to the child to see all kinds of things and whatever else. All this is registering. Now this in the sam'a wal basara wal fu'ad. Now this process has started. Therefore Allah Ta'ala is reminding us right from the beginning. Remember the day is coming. In the sam'a wal basara wal fu'ad. The same three things. That you are going to be questioned about all these things on the day of Qiyamah. Person will be questioned about everything. He will be questioned about every lamb. But in particular Allah mentions these three because this is the start of everything. So therefore there is so much of emphasis on protecting the gaze, the hearing, because this is where every wrong starts off from. This is the, where the seeds get planted of all the evils. In this hadith, Rasulullah has cursed both the person who casts lustful gazes as well as the one who is gazed at, due to not adopting hijab. Those who fear the curse of the awliya and pious people should fear the curse of Rasulullah since piety is acquired in becoming the true slaves of Rasulullah Therefore, if an accidental gaze falls upon a beautiful face, Turn the gaze away immediately. Do not allow the gaze to remain on that face even for one moment. The aspect about the curse of the awliya and pious people, let alone the curse of awliya and pious people, people will fear the curse of anything and everything. Once one person, somebody had cheated him out of a lot of money. In some devious way, the person just deceived him and now he's not paying back. So, somebody advised him that, well, adopt whatever the reasonable channels are to try and recover what you are due. So, now the person who had deceived him was also a person who knew some of these tawis and amaliyat and whatever. Allah knows best to what extent he was genuine or to what extent he was just Allah knows best. So, when this person was advised now that, fine, adopt whatever the channels are meaning whatever ways of recovering your wealth. He said, no, no, I'm very worried. This person knows all these things. Just now he'll make one lanat on me. Then my money is gone, even I'll be gone too. Now, whereas that kind of lanat and that kind of curse, which is a curse that is 
not deserved by a person, that falls back on the one who invoked the curse. The Hadith Sharif, it comes that a person curses somebody and people unfortunately sometimes curse their own children, curse their own things. A person curses somebody, that curse goes up towards the heavens. Then, is the summary of it, it then starts coming down again, directed towards the person who it was cast against. But then if that person is not deserving of that curse, then it rebounds on the person who invoked the curse. Now many people just keep her, that becomes like a takya kalam, it just flows out of the tongue without any thought. But in this process, Allah forbid we are ending up cursing ourselves very often. Then the problems and difficulties come, we wonder where it came from, we brought it upon ourselves. So, this aspect about being afraid of the curse of pious people and so on is all in its place. But what can be worse than becoming the victim of the curse of Rasulullah And Allah's Nabi said, لَعَلَمْ اللَّهُ النَّازِرَ وَالْمَنْزُورَ إِلَيْهِ so, this is the thing to be worried about more than everything else. It is clearly understood from the verses of the Quran Sharif and the Ahadith that the one who casts lustful glances has been given the following three evil titles. Number one, disobedient to Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Number two, fornicator of the eyes. And number three, accursed. So, if anybody is addressed by any of these things, any of these so-called titles, it's obviously very offensive, very offensive, very, very hurtful. But this is what has been mentioned in the Hadith Sharif, in the Quran Sharif, that this becomes so-called the title of a person who engages in this kind of haram. If one is addressed with any of these titles, one will be extremely hurt and displeased. Thus, if one wishes to remain safe from these titles, it is necessary to guard the gaze. Some people object and say, what have we done? We did not take anything or do anything to anybody. All we have done is cast a glance. These Malvis needlessly frighten us. Nay, the Malvis are not frightening you. Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul are prohibiting you. The Malvis do not make any mas'ala, the law of deen. They merely explain the laws of deen. Are the verses of the Quran Sharif and the Ahadith presented above the sayings of any Malvi? Furthermore, I say to such people who claim that they have taken nothing and done nothing, but only cast a glance, that if your casting a glance is such an insignificant act, then why are you casting the glance? Simply forsake casting lustful glances. Thus it is obvious that they are taking something and doing something when casting glances. What they are taking and doing is actually deriving haram pleasure, which they import into their hearts. As a result, their hearts become ruined. As we have been discussing over the days, and this will inshallah keep coming in, that the whole focus is on the heart. The heart is the seat of all the progress, and Allah forbid even the destruction. As mentioned in the Hadith Sharif, the heart is a saluhat, saluhal jasadu kullu. If the heart is in order, the heart comes right, the heart gets reformed, and the entire body will be in order, the entire body will be reformed, the entire body will be in 
لائن وَإِذَا فَسَدَتْ فَسَدَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّ The heart is corrupted, entire body will be corrupted. So, the whole attention is to be made towards the heart. Now the casting of haram glances directly impacts on the heart. It directly corrupts the heart. Other things might eventually get to the heart. Indirectly lead to that point. But this is no indirect, it's direct. And therefore in the Quran Sharif these three limbs are mentioned side by side. In the sam'a wal basara wal fu'ad. The hearing, the sight and the heart. These are the super highways directly to the heart. The hearing and the sight. It's not a third degree thing directly. So now the heart is the seat of everything. And now the person is attacking the heart directly through the haram glances. So what becomes of the heart? And when the heart becomes corrupted in this way, the heart becomes soiled, becomes immersed in filth in this way, what's going to be the end result is obvious. Then whether it is salah, whether the person is performing his salah, whether he is involved in some righteous deeds, let alone the haram that this will take him to, even his righteous deeds will become soiled with that haram. How many a person out of finally, so to say, falling in the whatever depth, then now sought help, that even in sajda, those same images are stuck in my mind. Those images that we looked at, even in sajda, those same, imagine a person in sajda. Sajda is meant to be that posture where the person is closest to Allah Ta'ala. And now this haram, let alone the other haram that it takes him to, even it soils the greatest of ibadats. It ruined his salah also. When a person following salah, it ruined the salah. He's making tilawat, that tilawat is also gone in the same direction. His mind is somewhere else. Everything he does, his mind is somewhere else. So this is the terrible consequence of this haram. And therefore so much of emphasis is placed on it. That a person should be very cautious in this regard. What they are actually doing is deriving haram pleasure which they import into their hearts. As a result, their hearts become ruined. When one casts lustful glances, one becomes distanced away from Allah Ta'ala to such an extent that one is not distanced away so far in any other sin. The qibla of the heart completely changes. The heart that was directed towards Allah Ta'ala turns 180 degrees away towards the person one had glanced at. In other words, it's like in a way to make us understand. For example, now the person is performing salah, so he has to face the qibla. So now instead of performing salah facing the qibla, he turned 180 degrees facing the opposite direction. Now what kind of salah would that be? Would his salah ever be accepted? So now the person whose heart was supposed, the qibla of his heart was towards Allah Ta'ala. He's turned it 180 degrees towards shaitan. So now the heart is directly facing shaitan now. This is the effect of this sun. It is as if the heart has turned around completely to face the object of the lustful glance and has turned its back to Allah Ta'ala. Hence, whether the person is performing salah, reciting the Quran Sharif or anything else, that haram image is in front of him. When in solitude also, 
the mind is still engrossed in the same beauty. Now instead of the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, the remembrance of that person is in the heart. The heart is not subjected to such destruction by means of any other sin. For instance, a person has missed his salah, or he has spoken a lie, or he has harmed somebody, his heart will still turn away from Allah Ta'ala by 45 degrees. This is by way of explanation. In other words, it will be affected, but not as deeply as by casting haram glances. However, he will repent and seek the forgiveness of those he harmed, and his heart will once again be directed towards Allah Ta'ala. On the contrary, the sin of casting lustful glances is such that a person becomes completely unmindful of Allah Ta'ala. And the love of the person he has gazed at settles in his heart. As a result, some people even lost their iman at the time of death. There is one incident that is mentioned about a person who got caught up in such kind of illicit love due to this kind of sin. And at the time of his death, he was now being, talqeen was being made. He was being prompted to recite the kalima. So at that time, instead of reciting the kalima, he said that the presence of this haram, illicit, beloved of mine is more beloved to me than this kalima also. And the person died on that. Can we imagine what kind of death that is? Death on kufr. So this is where it led to. This is how dangerous the sun can become. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq of staying far away from all these kind of sins and every sin. Allah Ta'ala keep us in His protection all the time. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين إن شاء الله بالكونتينيو تمونا سبحان الله بحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك